0: Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez.
1: And I'm Brad Binkley.
0: Just want to let you know, tomorrow we have the DNB XR live on Rockfin in video, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. And you can also catch the free version of that video on Rumble because YouTube is dead to us. Anyway, that's all I got right now. I did want to I thought it was interesting just to hear the latest statement made by the Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova. I kind of like her cuz she's like the non-repulsive Jensaki. Like she doesn't constantly seem like she's lying. Yeah. So, anyway, uh but I do think she's also a redhead. She stated unequivocally that Moscow is not aiming to overthrow the current leadership in Ukraine. She said its objectives don't include occupation of Ukraine, destruction of Ukraine's statehood or the toppling of the current government. I'm amazed. I was kind of amazed to hear that. It's not directed against the civilian population. She just she reiterated that Moscow wants to defend the Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics which she is saying broke away from Ukraine shortly after the 2014 coup in Kiev. I I always I wasn't exactly sure if that was an overstatement, but whatever. Uh, They certainly wanted autonomy. She added that Russia seeks the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. And I want to just point out something about the nazification thing. I've mentioned this before, but I wanna just uh reiterate it and clarify. So when the eastern the the Donbass wanted to go Russian, the Ukrainians sent in Ukrainian soldiers who were laying down their arms. And even Jeffrey Pyatt said, Don't Just don't send like people from the east over there. They're not going to shoot their own brethren. Send soldiers from the west. But they went, I don't know if he meant something more than that. But what they did was they established the Azov battalion there in 2014, which is the one that has the Ukrainian colors, but the Nazi type insignia. And they're considered neo-Nazis. I don't know if it says it in Wiki, but there was an article, I think, in New York Times back then saying this could be their the answer to their problems or the beginning of the problems. But I don't, I, I think the the Nazi presence in some of these countries, there there are neo-Nazis in those countries. I remember reading a lot about them in Sweden. I think like Tani Book, who's the guy who's supposedly the Nazi, like when Victoria Nuland picked three guys, Yats, Kleech, and Tani Book, Tani Book was the, is the far right guy, the kind of Nazi guy. But I don't necessarily think, and maybe I've said this already, that he's, He cares about the ideology. I think he's a purely political actor. And the reason they set up the Azov battalion as Nazis, neo-Nazis, is that they couldn't get mainstream Ukrainians to do this dirty work. And how did they appeal to maybe disenfranchised or angry or brainwashed youth or young men you 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 give them this ideology even if it's dysfunctional a dysfunctional subculture and then you get them to fight for some cause that you're creating for them to get them to fight i do not think in the end anyone nato is handing over ukraine to these young nazis i just don't think so they get their they get their payola they have to get paid for what they're doing and part of that payment is this delusional promises but i think it's a purely pragmatic device a a, a deadly device but i think that that's what's going on there anyway russia wants to denazify it and i think that's a valid <laughs> that's a good idea
1: that's interesting it's a
0: valid aim
1: Yeah. And that's interesting what you said that she said, because you hear the exact opposite from CNN and all the mainstream outlets. Right now, the headline on CNN, kids trapped in rubble after hospital bombed. They make it sound as though they're specifically targeting babies and just trying to execute all of them.
0: Oh, and I don't. And actually, there was the thing about the Z. Did you see that picture of people making a Z in the snow?
1: Yeah, that's what I was talking about with that story the other day about the gymnast who had the Z on right. his Yeah.
0: Right. But there was an article, follow up article saying those people making the Z with you know, standing out in the snow making the Z were from uh, were four children, sick children forced out of their hospital beds. I
1: saw that, yeah. yeah. They were dying children forced to bed. Yes, forced the new out of Nazi their hospital symbol.
0: beds into the snow. So the but, I, but bombing that matern- maternity hospital or whatever, I don't know who did that, I don't know if it really happened. I don't know if the Ukrainians did it themselves because Ukraine isn't just standing there taking it it's they are there are there is violence, and Don pass has been the subject of violence for eight years,
1: especially. When we heard the New York Times tell us that they are spreading lies for the good of Ukraine to fight against this evil, how can we trust anything that they say when they have told us that openly? I have a story here about the cancellations that continue, that are ongoing, and there's a professor at Yale University who... Is comp- he's keeping the main list of companies that are have pulled their business operations out of Russia, and specifically is keeping a list of those who have not yet. So you know the ones to threaten, to bully. A,
0: it's a blacklist.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So his name is Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, and a little background on this professor who's keeping this list. He's best known as a founder and CEO of what's called the Chief Executive Leadership Institute, which is a global nonprofit research and leadership institute focused on corporate governance. Corporate governance is what the... World Economic Forum focuses on with global corporate fascism leading through corporation global corporations anyway and through the institute the guy is known for convening exclusive high level off the record CEO summits drawing leaders from across business government nonprofit media entertainment academia and with annual conferences every year in DC and in New York and he is widely regarded as an authority on corporate governance and he has advised US presidents Joseph Biden, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton and in the aftermath of the 2020 election and the 2021 2021- quote capital attack he convened top executives from several high level off for several high level off the record discussions to plan collective response from the business community this guy is an insider deep stater world economic forum connected guy who that, is, is it
0: expressly world economic forum have you found that actual because the words are for sure
1: he is Featured, pro- well, I don't know if this exact thing, this list. No, no, is- but
0: I mean, he and World Economic Forum have appeared in the same paragraph yes. somewhere.
1: That, yes, yeah, yes, as well as yeah. the Yale University. I mean,
0: we can infer it, but it's always. No, yeah,
1: I always like, look it up. And, yeah, yeah, so he is connected with them. And they say that here's some of the stuff he says he says the situation remains fluid over there, but for now, Uh, The companies that fail to withdraw, they face a wave of U.S. public resentment far greater than what they face on climate change, voting rights, gun safety, immigration reform, or border security. I find it interesting that he links links it together with all those others because they do pressure campaigns like this for these other issues as well. We see it on social media from other groups. And... He cited a survey that found that more than 75% of Americans want companies to cut their business ties with Russia and are united on the subject across political lines.
0: Oh, I have a survey like that, too, in one of my stories.
1: Interesting. And he argues that those who fear these corporate moves will punish ordinary russians oh he says those who argue that these moves will punish ordinary russians are missing the point because he says that violence of war would be more painful so instead of going into russia violently we're doing this is his claim but
0: sanctions are a causes belli
1: what does that mean for
0: war like they're justification for war sanctions force people into war that's how that's why japan bombed pearl harbor because we embargoed their oil which is what we're doing to our own people, which makes no sense. I have to cover that story so that, in a
1: sec. That's perfect. So this is, again, sanctions via corporation, World Economic Forum, Great Reset Model. We're seeing this across the board here. And this guy, what a clown. He's spending research dollars to do this, research dollars to compile a list of companies who are staying in Russia so that you can bully and pressure them, which does have a very bad impact on the people of Russia, the citizens of Russia. I know, but here I want to move into my oil stuff in that we're doing this
0: to ourselves like by banning russian oil imports we're sanctioning ourselves of oil now that's theoretically but it doesn't even really matter because we produce more oil and gas than russia and we are net exporters so we could by cutting back on our exports and just using our own oil we it really wouldn't affect us to not import russian oil and the uk has also banned Russian imports, but and UK is on the North Sea. The North Sea is a big crude producer. I think it mostly happens in Norway. But so I don't know what their situation is. But for us, it doesn't make much of a difference at all. Now, US and UK are pressuring Europe to follow suit, and it would be devastating to them. Uh, But the thing is, Russia is not intentionally stopping any of its oil and gas from pushing out. And I wonder how much of their how far down their exports have gone. I did find an article that said that their exports have already declined by 30 percent out of Russia, but it didn't seem verified. And I couldn't find it coming out of Russia. They are not saying that. And I had a thought that a patron had the exact same thought, maybe at the same moment was I got a message from Matt saying, I think something fishy is up with the gas stations. Every station in town had the exact same gas prices, exact same, usually they're close, but these are exactly the same. One, it was, um, he said they live in central Florida. It's 419 for regular, 499 for diesel. He's never seen it so coordinated. Here it's well over $6, well over $6 a gallon. I am paying, actually paying. Wow. Yeah, so, so uh, CNN had an article today. Why are oil prices so high? And I, I don't think it actually said perfect storm, but there was a lot. It was like five different reasons. Like, they never give me five different reasons for something really unusual. You know what I mean? Don't tell me it's a perfect storm. It's either you're not telling me the truth because to, for something to be at a record level, there has to be a reason. Now, oil companies can just take all this bad publicity and coordinate behind the scenes which of course is illegal but they could do it anyway um and there's so few of them and actually ultimate owners of all this stuff but they can be making uh, taking advantage of this scenario the prices went up before the oil was actually banned so it was obviously political front running you know the prices were a reflection of the politics but CNN said Oil is is the loss of Russian oil on the world market because it's a commodity, which I pointed out, uh, increases the price overall. But I'm not convinced there is a loss of Russian oil on the world market. Honestly, like because for anyone who can buy Russian oil, Russian oil would be available to those people for cheaper. And that would take those people out of the global market for oil. And if you take out the supply at a commensurate amount of demand – you really wouldn't have these spiking prices. So I'm having a hard time understanding it unless the entire world is shutting out Russia or Russia is keeping its oil to itself. Um, I think one of the things is that Russia does supply specific, like refineries have to get certain type, certain quality. They're designed for certain supply sources. And it could um, interfere with some of the refinery stuff if refineries, and I think this is what's happening, are denying the
1: Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Have you seen the new talking point around the higher gas prices? Stephen Colbert Mm -hmm. featured it. Then I saw it featured on a bunch of different articles.
0: One guy said it was a function of it's the price of national security.
1: Yeah, that's similar to what it is. But Colbert said that he's willing to pay more gas prices because, of you know, you want a clean conscience. Because you need to stand for what's good, and if it helps the Ukrainians, it's okay to pay a few more bucks. And they were asking people – I saw a local news station doing interviews at gas stations asking people about the gas prices, and they would raise the question, is it worth it to help the Ukrainians – just a why would you ask that? It's just a strain, and the people are like, "I guess, yeah, sure, uh, if if it's helping, so well, that's yeah,
0: yeah, that's the poll I have here. A poll found that an overwhelming majority of Americans favor banning Russian oil imports, despite doing so potentially increases prices. Now, I should have looked at the actual questions. I missed that, but it says a Wall Street Journal poll published on Tuesday yesterday found that seventy nine percent of respondents including 88 percent of democrats and 77 percent of republicans polled said they would favor a ban on Russian oil sales to the U.S. even if they knew it would lead U.S. energy prices to rise.
1: Yeah, and I would ask this question, especially for the TV interviews that I saw, some reporter comes up to you, has a camera on you, is asking you about gas prices and yeah. the struggles, and then they pop the question of, so do you think it's worth it to pay a little bit <laughs> right. more to help these poor Ukrainians to who are these babies, babies that are getting shelled by the Russians? Yeah. Who on a television interview is going to go, no, it's, it's not worth it, yeah. it's Painful but this, to me.
0: this is a Wall Street Journal interview. This is not. A, this is a poll conducted by the Wall Street Journal that says eighty-eight percent of Democrats and seventy-seven percent of Republicans. I don't. I don't know what the questions were, but it, it wasn't like random sampling on television. And I did think that it was an insight into how effective the propaganda is. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I, I felt like they I, I don't know if they really were answering that, but I thought they might be. Now, another thing that they're trying to scare us into this national security thing, which, of course, the Republicans, it's so annoying because CNN and Fox, Republicans and Democrats are arguing over the stupidest stuff, always stipulating that we you know we need more sanctions or more war, you know, like whatever. It's it, they're just shouting for more. That's the there's that's their argument. But. Kevin McCarthy, who's the minority leader, called Biden out on the higher gas prices, and uh, also, because the environmentalists don't produce gas, although Biden's changing his tune on that, I guess you can use the cries of war to really serve, to have an excuse to enact policies that benefit what I consider the big three of the military industrial complex, big defense, of course, war benefits, big energy, um, or US production definitely benefits, and well, all wars are bankers wars, so big finance does. But he also called out that Biden was saying they're reconsidering making deals with Iran and Venezuela for their oil. Now, Iran is ninth in oil production. Venezuela is 26th. We're number one. Like we really don't need to do that. There's just no reason to do it. Uh, but my, you know, my theory about the whole greenhouse gas thing, remember a couple of weeks ago, just unrelated to this at all, I was like, why, why, why are they just always down on fossil fuels? Like it's, it's bull, like it makes everything cheaper and better. And I don't believe their climate stuff. They're worried about carbon dioxide, which is good for plants, which are good for us. Like the whole story doesn't hold together. And I thought, well, maybe they're just trying to eliminate fossil fuels because they want to weaken the Middle East and Russia. And um, and just move away from the thing that only they can supply. And then I realized that if they just have a cold war and they they separate the world into two pieces, like I was saying about the financial stuff, if you separate the world into two pieces, then the U.S. would have the entire they would have half the world as the customers for their oil, which they could charge a lot more for because. They wouldn't, they'd probably have a stranglehold on the whole supply. Whereas if they're dealing in a global market with all the Middle Eastern countries and Russia, then they have to compete uh, price wise when they're giving supply, which is probably why they don't want fossil fuels to be the go to fuel. But if they could actually dro- drop another Iron Curtain, they could get all of the demand from our side and eliminate all of the supply from their side. I think it's worth thinking about. And the last thing I'll say on all of this is they really want us to have this, this obsessional propaganda thing. They want us to feel it. They want us to feel it. So they want us to feel this war by having higher gas prices. I wonder if they'll do price controls, which would give us gas shortages or one suggestion I read was that they could lower the speed limit to to, Um, Save gas. And that would really piss people off and maybe drive people to Zoom work. I I don't know. But that would make people annoyed. And uh, that is how they want you to feel engaged in the war. And I also think the refugee crisis is a manufactured crisis that that will affect some populations they want feeling some pain here.
1: This stuff is straight out of the Simple Sabotage Guide from the OSS, the CIA. You go read that. It's a very quick read. You will see similar tactics just modernized being promoted by Hillary Clinton, by our media, telling people to do certain things to just make life painful and difficult for Russians. And they're also applying it to us as well with this gas stuff and other stuff.
0: You might... It was so helpful when that woman put together the 10 falsehoods in war. Just summarize the whole entire book. And the way I did, like, if you think about it, if you're, in, if, since you have it at the top of your fingers, um, the way I did like the hashtag straight out of event 201, now I can go to my Twitter feed and type in hashtag straight out of event 201 and you can see every single headline that just falls out of the calls to action yeah. event 201 stuff. So anytime you see any of these headlines That's that a idea. ring a bell, just hashtag straight out of whatever, and then everyone can have that. You and you could have it on your fingertips at any time and it's almost no effort
1: whatsoever. That's a great idea. I will yeah. do that, actually. I like yeah, that. Excellent. I have a story that kind of veers away from Ukraine, finally, great. for a little while. Finally, There are deep fakes being used in the campaign for president in South Korea. But probably not the way that we have discussed or imagined before. We had talked about them being used to maybe fabricate evidence of something to make someone else look bad. But instead of doing that, these deepfakes are being used originally first by the main opposition candidate, who is Yoon Suk, made a deepfake of himself to do campaign commercials and videos because this guy is a 61-year-old former prosecutor who, a little jagged, hard around the edges, wanted to soften his image so that he could reach younger voters. So they, the head of the, his campaign said about this, he said, we want voters to see the human side of Yoon, not the stern image he projects on television. So they decided to make this deep fake AI, and they named it AI Yoon. And this AI Yoon... Is a little bit better looking, a little bit more vibrant, speaks in the meme language of the target audience that they're directed towards. He has a better sense of humor, a lot more jokes are involved in his AI videos and stuff. And the real candidate has started to become more like his AI version on the campaign trail because he's learning from his AI version And he's starting to speak in memes and to speak more jokey when he goes. So he's morphing into his AI version in real life.
0: Imagine if the AI version had receptors and could learn from the facial expressions that people were making at them. So you know how they yeah. say, like autistic people, they teach them. I know a lot of kids with autism. They teach them how to read facial cues. It's it's innate to us, but to some people, it's not. Some people are better at it. Some people aren't. I imagine if they made AI that was really good at it, and then would model for you what people prefer.
1: That would be interesting, and I'm sure they're probably working I'm, on that. I would think so somewhere. One of the things Jigsaw. that makes, yeah, one of the things they say that makes it weird, although it. Looks a lot like him and Mm -hmm. sounds a little like him. And a lot of voters they interviewed did not recognize the difference at first. A lot of the target audience, they could not tell that it was AI until they started reading about it. Wow. So no uncanny valley. Yeah. Except he doesn't laugh. So he tells the joke. So he's just the straight guy, the deadpan, the AI, the AI one was. So he doesn't uh-huh. laugh, so it makes it a little bit weird when he tells some of the jokes. But the way they made it is they, they have more than 80 clips of Yoon's digital self. They've shared them on social media, have over 70,000 comments, and the videos are about 30 seconds or less. And what they do is the campaign staffers choose a voter question to answer, and then they write a script for the avatar. And it, the avatar addresses topics such as North Korea missile launches and fake news and it also talks about cultural subjects like the k-pop girl group a group called blackpink and just other cultural stuff and also talks about shopping just everyday relatable subjects to the audience they they put in the scripts here and the way that they built this is they brought the guy into a studio and they had him spend two days recording 30 different sentences trying to enunciate them as perfectly as possible. And then the AI created the videos based on his recordings of all these words and sentences. Why
0: can't it, why can't it laugh? I think that's a... I don't know. I think they put that in there to make us feel like, oh, well, you can always tell.
1: Yeah. it's so One more little wrinkle here for this one is, here's what they said. They said the underlying tech a synthesizes the voice and video to produce the human-looking avatar that can hold down real-time conversations, and it said it's a bit creepy, but the best way to explain it is that we clone the person. They clone, the. that's the way they're describing it to people. We clone the person, and strangely enough, once this candidate did this, the other candidate did it too. So oh. two AI deepfakes are running for president against each other in South Korea, and the article talks about how the winner is probably going to continue using the deep fake once they win. The first deep fake presidents coming to South Korea. It's like the
0: Simpsons where my son has a t shirt that says, Don't blame me, I voted for Kang. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the exact same thing. They were aliens who wouldn't matter anyway. Yes. Very interesting. Well, I do want to hear about the first Capitol riot defendant going on trial or i guess that's been concluded can we do that in the xr let's do it in the
1: xr all right excellent
0: so we still do have a big story left in the free 30 our deepest dive of the day where we will dig dig deeper into the foreseeable consequences of the latest formal and informal sanctions against russia i also want to tell you before we get to that what we're going to talk about in the xr a proposed NASA study that will have no shortage of volunteers. Let, now, this is why it belongs in the XR, which is not actually X-rated, but you never know where it's going to go. And I'm just guessing. And more <laughs> on the deadly fraud being perpetrated against children in 49 out of the 50 states. So I also want to say this, you know, being glad, I don't know if you noticed this, but we got an email from somebody saying like there was a an ad so we signed up for this ad thing ads come i think we have to put one at the beginning of the show which i do not like and then a couple in the middle but you have to do it their way because there aren't really enough ads for you to get everything you want so um but somebody's did not like a product that was advertised and i can totally understand that and there are two products that we don't that i've asked them never to put on our show vaccines and planned parenthood but And I basically think that anything from the government, I also said, like, I don't want anything paid for by the government because that isn't a free market. But I didn't really. um, it, It gets a little fussy. If you're super fussy, then you just can't really use the service, I don't think. But the reason I didn't get super fussy anyway is that I've always defended myself on YouTube, even though they demonetize me and take me down by saying, When Grammarly does an ad on my YouTube channel, like nobody watching my YouTube channel or that thing is holding Grammarly responsible for my content. And likewise, I I assumed that nobody would, uh, you know, hold us responsible for just canned ads. I mean, I don't even know what they are. And the difference though also is that in the case of... Like if grammarly were to cancel our show on youtube and youtube does it for them we don't get we can't even put our stuff up there that's them deciding not to give us money but with this other stuff these people are they are supporting our show we are not supporting their product unless you want to buy it and i mean i don't know so if it shocks the conscience like vaccines I would like to know if you're hearing those ads, you can hit me up at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. But I mean, even feedback's fine.
1: Well, also, if some company promoting vaccines promotes that on our show, if they choose to do that. Meanwhile, we're sitting here on the show (laughs) saying you need to question the vaccine. Look at all the problems with these companies. That's stupid on them.
0: Well, that's the thing is that I just don't think our audience is too vulnerable to immoral products. However, I don't know. I am I'm open to yeah. the discussion. I am it. too. And, I, I am too. And if and if you don't like it, I mean, we would much prefer for people to subscribe. This was kind of an act of, uh, you know, kind of a. a 11th hour decision to yes you know because the 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 work that goes into this so during after covid we've gotten a huge increase in listenership but not but we're kind of flat on subscribers i think because people are probably hurting and i just thought this was a good way to
1: i think what's important to emphasize here is that it's not affecting our content what, oh, yeah.
0: gosh, no, no. I can't believe they let us on there. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think we'd be accepted I, to am I'm, I'm waiting for the other shooter. I don't know how long it's even going to last. Yeah. So I'm surprised they put any. That's why I didn't want to get too fussy. I don't even, I'm surprised they put commercials in our show at all. So let them pay for
1: it. The first one I heard, and I think yeah. they catered, and I thought it was strange, was for a brawl that finally fits just right.
0: <laughs> there you go. I, we, I never knew that about you, Binkley. <laughs> so anyway we are always open to discussion it doesn't affect our contents at all I don't even know who they are I don't even know what the ads are because you don't get the ads every time you listen and I never get the ads basically so anyway that's it we're just trying to carve out a, a new business a new industry I guess and uh, doing the best we can within the confines of our values so you may you may hear one of these ads in one second and you might not let's see what happens So before or now, I guess now we're ready to get to the deepest dive of the day. And here's where that goes. The deepest dive of the day for today is basically all this stuff that we are being subject to lots of shortages. You, you, you have to see them everywhere. Lots of shortages and food shortages or threat of food shortages labor shortages lumber shortages oil shortages and i noticed that there's like uh two things one one is about the labor which i'll get to in a second the other is about the lumber and the energy have the same kind of story and it's not it's not really an intelligent story to tell i don't get it so the lumber thing was Lumber, they stopped producing lumber because of initially with COVID because they didn't think there'd be demand for it. When they realized there was demand for it, it spiked. Lumber spiked and then the prices went down again and then they stopped producing it again or they can't really figure out what's going on from there. And the best I could figure myself was, I just found one quote from one lumber producer in Canada, which is a big lumber producing place that there was a rail car shortage and there's also like for some reason a trucker shortage so they just can't move it so that kind of stuff is highly regulated the rails in canada are public like they're government owned some of them anyway maybe all of them but that's what it was like government-owned railway was standing in the way so it seemed very manufactured and with the oil crisis they said uh they had such a weird i think this was in the cnn article such a weird reason it said u.s oil companies have been reluctant or unable to resume producing oil at pre-pandemic levels amid concerns get this amid concerns about the prospect of tougher environmental rules that could cut future demand though many of those tougher rules have been scaled back or failed to become law. So oil companies in the US were paralyzed. Their production is so flexible that they could basically turn it off for COVID. That's what this story is saying. And then they were kind of freaked out about, bringing it back up to speed because some policies may have effects on future demand like we're not talking about building a new refinery to get the oil back up we're talking about slowing it down and speeding it up in a way that you could just slow it down again if these policies happen this makes no sense and when these stories make no sense and they string a bunch of dumb reasons together and call it a perfect storm it seems to me that it is being intentionally ginned up and and just like the lumber thing where Biden was cutting back production of forestry in this country on public lands he's he had made some i think he put a moratorium on drilling licenses now that shouldn't have had a big impact because that does have a lot of lead time but i'm just saying a lot of things are coming together but but that kind of policy can make prices go up so like it doesn't make the supply go down in the near term but it can make prices go up because what you do is you hold off on producing at this price because you anticipate a higher price in the future so these policies can have an impact on prices and that is something that impacts supply but this other stuff is masking in my opinion a bunch of policies that are designed to create this problem and i saw a similar thing in the labor market did i tell you about this story where the article just doesn't get a lot of headlines but that the main reason people were quitting so you know the labor thing the the great resignation remember that all that do you know what the reason the number one reason why was
1: no i can't remember
0: no, no. I mean, you wouldn't have known because it was just in this one article and nobody talked about it. And, uh, but the real reason is not enough hours.
1: Not enough hours? Yes. They're not getting not enough, enough- h-
0: hours that is not a labor shortage yeah that's a labor surplus yeah (laughs) so people are quitting because it's not worth the bs and i and i immediately first thing i thought about was obamacare it's like you know what obamacare was already pushing companies to not want full-time employees for the longest time and i looked up the rules for obamacare you're considered full-time if you have 30 or more hours and the employer has to implement has to offer obamacare compliant health care if they if He has 50 full-time employees or more. Now, these rules moved around a bit. I think these are the current rules. I could be wrong. But so no company wants to have more than 50 full-time employees and and full-time employment is 30 hours. So I can understand why there's hardly any jobs, not just because of the Obamacare regulation, which maybe you couldn't fire people for that, but you cannot invite them back. And there are probably other regulatory restrictions. I I don't know if there are specific COVID ones, but there absolutely could be, again, policies that are leading to these labor shortages that are not being covered honestly by the media. So that means it's a plot that's being covered up, in my opinion. And get this, so what, can you think offhand, I hate to put you on the spot, but what's the big shortage? There was a big shortage and it affected everything. You can't get a new car, you can't get a computer.
1: Toilet paper?
0: The chip shortage.
1: Oh, yes, the chip shortage. Yeah, that's still <laughs> ongoing apparently right now.
0: Right. So what do we do? The world's largest manufacturers, which, you know, show up at the meeting and get their marching orders from Klaus or whomever. The world's largest manufacturers of computer processors and semiconductors announced in the midst of labor shortage, supply chain issues, blah, blah, blah. Announced that they will join the sanctions against Russia over its military campaign in Ukraine a number of technology manufacturers halted product deliveries to Russia, including US companies AMD and Intel, while the world's largest semiconductor chip producer TSMC stopped the production of a Russian Baikal and Elbrus microprocessors at its Taiwanese plant. Now, Out of Russia, uh, a guy named Oleg Izumrudov, head of the Consortium of Russian Developers of Data Storage Systems, that's a mouthful, said the ban on finished products for Russia will result in a retaliatory ban on the supply of production components and will cause an acute shortage of microprocessors for the whole world. And he said, by comparison, the recent supply disruption will appear relatively light. He went on to say that Russia accounts for 80% of the market for sapphire substrates, thin plates made of artificial stone, which are used in every processor in the world, including those manufactured by AMD and Intel, and that Russia accounts for 100% of the world's supply of various rare earth elements used for special chip etching chemistry using ultra-pure components. There's even a Russian chip um, component... A facility that is in a a unique zero seismic environment that makes it the absolute highest quality in the world and suitable for some very refined applications.
1: That's interesting. This shortage on chips has, from what I can tell, done nothing but... Increase the demand for the products that use those chips. At least the ones that are publicly saying the reason we like PlayStation, Xbox. So people are on waiting lists. They're obsessing with getting one of these things. I think they have the chips there, and there was yeah. just enough of those that available. May be
0: true. That's a big thing for video games. The Xboxes. I don't. There's always a shortage of those things at Christmas time. It's just. Right. It's. It's yeah. not believable. These are like tens of billions of dollar companies. They maybe even are trillion dollar companies. Almost Microsoft. Like, come on. They can't figure this out. They definitely can. But an interesting final little piece of this puzzle was that it looks like um, India is the swing element yet again. That if they had, if they have India, they could they could solve their supply and demand problems. And I think, again, this leads to a bifurcated world.
1: And the other day we were talking about how during that CFR panel discussion, they were saying we need to decide if it's okay if India tries to stay neutral, with the answer being no, it's not. They need to know that you are either standing with Ukraine or you are against Ukraine, you are against us.
0: Well, if they're making them make a choice like that, I'm not sure you want to make a choice against what borders you. The right. places that border you, you need to be friends with and, it, and transportation is cheaper, although I don't know how you get across the Himalayas. Anyway, I got a couple of... I have one big shout out. All right. It's pretty funny. It's from a patron. My father, William Johnson, is running for state senate in Massachusetts despite my objection. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to... We shout him out anyway. He says, uh, "Even though I've changed my father from a neoliberal Republican to an anti-war libertarian-leaning Republican, I can't see that he could change much in Massachusetts." So (laughs) William's son is is rooting for him, but doesn't (laughs) has no hope for Massachusetts. He says, "If you want to shout him out." That'd be great. We're having our first meet and greet. So he's still supporting him, which is really nice. Saturday at 650 New Ludlow Road in South Hadley. 650 New Ludlow Road in South Hadley. I'm actually thinking of doing a Boston meetup when I go east of his mom's. It'd be cool. Um, yeah. Then. uh, we're then going to try to organize and get signatures in the surrounding towns that we need to get on the ballot. I'll be wearing my TLAV question everything hoodie when I meet all the volunteers. So if you want to say hi to Dave, look for the, is it TLAV? TLAV? What am I missing something? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I should probably know what that stands for, but question everything is fine with me and you'll see him standing around with that. And go go show William Johnson. I, I hope he wins.
1: Yeah, good luck. That it's probably gonna be pretty interesting to be a part of the campaign, especially right now. Maybe he they could get if if they needed one, they probably don't need one, but maybe an AI deep fake version going if they needed
0: Great that. idea. That's fantastic. Or maybe they could make one of David, who's obviously younger than his father, and just you know, swap them out later. Yeah, there you go. Be a
1: spokesperson just make for it dad. younger.
0: Could you make your AI younger than you really like, are? Like
1: they do in the movies with Robert De Niro now, every movie yeah. that he's in.
0: Yes. Exactly. Right. Good idea. So look, just by the way, if people want to have a meetup in Boston, if you would be interested in that, uh, email me, thepropagandareportpodcast.gmail.com. com.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Monica. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform under the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, or rockfin.com slash propaganda report to check out our, our various offerings on each platform. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.